So today, Palm Sunday, is the start of what many Christians call the Holy Week or the Passion Week. I was thinking about why did Jesus, why is it called the Passion Week? And I thought, you know, Jesus, this is where the whole reason that he came, came to pass. The passion that was in him to, to do what his father had told him to do, which was to come and do this. This was the week that it all culminated. Imagine what he had to go through that week. That, because he, the Bible says he was all God, but he was all man. He felt just like you and me. The only difference was he never sinned. He was a sinless man. We can't do that. We all, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. But from this Sunday all the way to next Sunday, which is Easter, like-minded believers become a little more reflective on their walk with Jesus, with the Master. What does it mean to walk with Him? What did He really do for us? And, and this whole week was laid out by God in, a, in an amazing story. And today we're going to look at that. What is the Passion Week? And I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on Palm Sunday itself. It's kind of like what we just did with communion. When we remember his sacrifice for us, his broken body, his shed blood. When you think about that, how does it make you feel? I mean, you might be, you might be joyful because you know what it eventually led to, which is your salvation. But when you think about the fact that Jesus Christ had to die for your sins and mine, a sinless man... No guilt in him died for the rest of us who were guilty. And I've heard a lot of people, agnostics, atheists, who this is their stumbling point because they just don't get it. Why would a good God send his son who is sinless to pay for the sins of the people? That's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. We don't get it, but it's truth. It's biblical, it's scriptural. How many would agree <laughs> that we're blessed? We are truly blessed. Amen. With Passion Week in mind, I want to look at each day and what it represents. So, start Palm Sunday. Jesus' triumphal entry, and the reason that they call it Palm Sunday is because a lot of the people, have you ever seen the palms? They're not real friendly. I had to cut some before we sold the property in Florida. I had to cut some of that stuff down. I want to tell you what, you better be careful because it will cut you. Those, those little uh, palm fronds, they hurt. And when they cut them off, they use these machetes that are about this long. And I mean, you've got to beat on those things just to get them to come off. But they laid these down in front of Jesus as, as a sign. It's similar to when a gentleman in the old days used to lay his coat down over a puddle so a woman wouldn't have to get her dainty feet wet. Not that all women's feet are dainty, but... Well, we won't go there. Oh, sorry, we already did. I'm sure your wife's are. Your wife's feet are dainty. Well, at least they're delicate. 
Maybe not Danny. I'm taking a sip of water. Hopefully you'll forget that comment. I wanted to read from Matthew chapter 21, verses 4 and 5. And it says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Everything Jesus did was fulfilling the voices of the Old Testament prophets. Which says what? God knew what he was doing. This wasn't just some, oh, you know what? We'll just try this here, we'll try that there. No, it was predicted hundreds of years before, if not a thousand years before. Who can do that? Only God. So it took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, which is Israel, right? The Jewish people. See, your king comes to you. Gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now what I want you to get here again is that this was written hundreds of years before. In fact, it was written in 520 B.C. Zechariah 9.9 is, is the direct quote. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet, he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Watch this little skit from the skit guys. This is a no-brainer. We do exactly what Jesus said. We go into town, we find the donkey with its colt. I just don't understand why Jesus wants us to commit a crime. He wants us to steal a donkey. No, no, not steal, borrow. Oh, so we're just supposed to stroll into town, untie the donkey and... And say exactly what he said to say. What is it? Oh, that the Lord has need of it? Yes, and we'll return it. What does that even mean, the Lord has need of it? It's self-explanatory. Why are you being so, so... So, so, so me? Because you all know that I'm the rule follower of the bunch. I just don't know why Jesus just didn't ask Peter to do this. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. This is so up Peter's alley. Steal the donkey, cause an uproar, that's his thing. Peter is the reason why banks chain their pens. Oh, I just don't want to go to jail. You know I hate one-ply toilet paper. I... Lower your voice. Look, we're just going to do what Jesus says. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? I don't know, a cracked rib, a busted lip, the kind of name-calling that'll put you in therapy years down the road? Stop it! Stop whining! Stop talking! Stop everything! Stop freaking out! Um, I, I, I don't mean to be judgy here, but someone needs to get the log out of their own eye. You have trust issues. Serious trust issues. You even know how many germs are in a jail cell, do you? No, 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 I don't, I don't. I'm sure it's a whole lot, okay? I don't know. And I don't know why Jesus wants us to get a donkey, and I don't know why people are gathering branches over here and lining the streets, but it just seems like there's something big is about to happen. Wait a minute. Yeah. Go back. Why did you say I had trust issues? Okay. Okay, let's make it about you. What? Think about it. Since we've been following him, we've seen him give sight to the blind. He's 
healed people with leprosy. He's raised people from the dead. From the dead? I can't even raise you from a nap. Hey, I think we can trust him with this donkey issue. That's just it. I have trust issues. I see how Jesus trusts the Father. He trusts so much, even more than the ground that I'm standing on. To trust someone like that, I, I, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. But if you're going to trust someone, that's him, right? Oh. Okay, all right, let's do it. We got this. Right. You first. Baby steps. Hey, when we get there and we grab said donkey, maybe I really should leave like a Benjamin. No. A 20 spot? No. A thank you card. Stop it. All right, I'll trust him. When I saw this, I had to show it. Just kind of a comical way to look at what the disciples had to go through. Because their faith really was tested. And often ours is too. When you find yourself up against the rails and it just doesn't make sense. But the Holy Spirit keeps saying, just trust me. Just trust me. I got this. Just trust me. Psalm 118 I'm sorry. Back to Matthew. Better go there. Matthew 21, verse 6 through 9. And by the way, this is going to kind of be a video morning. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their, spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. That word Hosanna means to save, to rescue. It means Savior. Jesus was our Savior. And literally it means save us, I pray. In just a minute, I'm going to look at Psalm 118, which, which is actually a direct quote from what I just said. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I was sharing this with our prayer people this morning as we were praying. This word Hosanna has become the highest pray, form of praise. So when you say Hosanna, you're lifting the praise to God. That's why the people were shouting it. Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means what? Save us, oh God, save us, oh Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to see this next clip, and this is a true rendition of what really happened.
is he now? He's just entered the city on a donkey. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. Where's he headed? Towards the temple. He must not interfere with Passover. God will bring his wrath down upon all of us. And who knows what Pilate will do if the crowds run out of control. Nicodemus, go with Malchus. If he enters the temple, watch him. Do not blink. just wanted you to get a glimpse of what it might have felt like for Jesus. This was from the movie Son of God, and we, our CVLI license covers us showing that. But Can you imagine all the people shouting your name? Messiah, Messiah. Lifting the praises, laying down the palm fronds in front of them. And then as you look on the outskirts, there are all these soldiers representing both the Romans and, of course, the Sanhedrin, the the legalistic people, they had their own guards in the temple that were keeping an eye on him. And you heard what the high priest said. We don't want him interfering with the Passover. Little did they know, he was the Passover lamb. The final one, but they didn't get it. And that's what Jesus was up against. All of these hard-hearted people who refused to believe. Starting with his own disciples. Do we really have to go get a donkey? The Lord told us to go get a donkey. Yeah, but what if? What if? What if? What if Jesus tells you to go to minister to somebody and you're sitting there, oh, well, what if they don't want me to? What he did for us is unbelievable. Son of God became man. God didn't just send us a letter. He sent us His Son. Hmm. That's what this week represents. Going back to where we get this word Hosanna, and this is where I should have gone earlier, but Psalm 118. And again, this was prophesied, can you see that? 1,044 years before. The fact that he would ride in on a donkey. The stone that the builders rejected, verse 22, has now become the cornerstone. And this is where Nehemiah was building the wall. And they ran across the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the most important stone of the whole building. We don't have them anymore, but at the time it represented from there you built out and on. It kept everything straight. The cornerstone was the most important anchor point in the foundation of the wall. Jesus 
is seen as the cornerstone of Christianity. God's Son. Isaiah 8, 13 and 14 and others allude to the fact that the Jewish people were going to reject Christ. They were going to reject the Messiah. The cornerstone, the Bible says, was going to become their stumbling block. The Old Testament predicted it. The New Testament confirms it. Jesus would ride in on a donkey. And he did. But the Jewish leaders watched as their Messiah came into town, humble as he was. And in their minds, they're thinking, why isn't he on a steed? Where's his army? How's he going to do this? In their hearts, they had no room for a humble king. He wasn't what they expected. Though Jesus stood right in front of them, though he performed many miracles, they still refused to believe that he was the Son of God. As a result, their hearts were hardened. And this is the hardest part. It was going to cost them. It was going to cost them greatly, as we'll see in just a minute when we get to Luke 19. Back to Psalm 118, verse 23. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. What? We will rejoice and be glad in it. And then verse 25, please, Lord, please save us. This is that word, Hosanna. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, Please give us success. We pray it, but do we expect God to do something with it? We say we believe it, but when the trials and the tests come, what do we do with them? Well, Lord, if you were really with me, it wouldn't hurt so much. Do you know that every one of the disciples were killed except John? They were hung on crosses. They were tortured. And they tried to kill John several times. They boiled him. He didn't die. If that's not a miracle, I don't know what is. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus costs you something. Just like it cost them something. It cost them everything. Pick up your cross and follow me, he said. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you will gain it. This world is temporal. It's, it's but grains of sand in that eternal time clock. And every little grain of sand as it drops, it represents a hundred years. And we have hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of years to spend with Jesus forever. I don't think you can wrap your mind around that. I can't. Only God could do that. So this, this where we're at right here on the earth, is, is, 
such a tiny little span of time. What we do with it is so important, though, because it will represent who we are in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Back to Matthew 21, verse 10 and 11. Jesus entering the city. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. When I read that, I thought, They knew him as their prophet, but they rejected him as their king. You know, there are other religions that believe Jesus was a, a prophet. But they reject his kingship. They reject that he was the son of God. What king, after all, would humble himself and ride into town on a baby donkey? Where were his soldiers? How was he to take over the Roman government? It couldn't be the Messiah. As I've already said, the problem was the religious leaders of that day had long forgotten what the prophets of old had said. Again, just to show you the same verse. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Predicted 520 years before it happened. Wow. Instead of believing the prophets, they allowed their logic to get in the way. It was no longer about trusting in the Lord. Rather, it was all about their religion that they had developed, which were man-made rules to govern the people. And that leads me to this other point. We are not a religion. We are not a religion. We are about our Savior, Jesus Christ. People say, oh, you're that assemblies of God. You know what? That's, a, that's, a, that's an identity of our fellowship. But what we're all about is Jesus. It's not about the speaking in tongues, though we believe that. It's not about that the Bible is inerrant in the Word of God all, through and through from Genesis to Revelation. We believe that, but that's not even what it's about. It's about the fact that God loved us so much that He didn't want us to spend eternity in our sins. And the only solution was a pure sacrifice. And that was Jesus. He had to die for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. In Luke's version of the triumphal entry, and I really wanted you to see this, he observed something else that nobody else, well, one other did uh, actually show this. But Jesus, after entering the city of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, verses 35 to 40, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I am going to read it, but it won't be up behind me. So they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. 
When they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said to the Lord, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. You see, they still haven't gotten it. But Jesus replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. The Pharisees still hadn't gotten it. That he was God's chosen one. And they were telling him, Stop the people from praising you. That's blasphemy. And Jesus said, Now, if they were quiet, the very rocks would begin to cheer me on. Hallelujah. I shared that with Pastor Roger, and he said, I don't want no rock out cheering me. I feel the same, don't you? The fact that the Pharisees had told Jesus to quiet his disciples simply showed their heart. They were more afraid of what those Roman soldiers were going to think than they were about the fact that the Messiah was standing right in front of them. The King of the Jews, as he was known. He would soon be crowned with a crown of thorns. His disciples would scatter like cockroaches when somebody turns the light on, which is what happened. Now listen to this next part of this passage. Shoot, there we go. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. In John 11:35, which is the shortest verse in the Bible, it just says Jesus wept. Why did he weep? It actually talks about it. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. Jesus wept because he knew that by their denying him as their Messiah, it was going to bring judgment on their city, on their families. And of course, we know that happened in 66 AD, when Nero burned the city. May we not let the same thing happen in our day. Hosanna, save us, we pray. So today is Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus entered the capital city. We say triumphantly, yet it led to his death. Triumphantly because he already knew what he was going to do. He knew what it was going to lead to. 
that he had to allow the Roman soldiers to hang him in order for us to be forgiven. How awesome, how awesome is Jesus. Let's look at the next few days in this week of Passion Week. Monday was the day that Jesus cleansed the temple. There's no room in God's house for anything but God's stuff. He said, my house will be a house of prayer and nothing else. And they had set up all kinds of things. You know, they were selling the little trinkets, the holy water in modern days, little pieces of the cross. Oh, you want this? God's house is to be a house of prayer. That's another reason that we're spending Monday through Thursday lifting our prayers up to Him. You'll find this in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. Tuesday, Jesus prophesies His own death. This is found in John 12, 20 to 36 and John 13, 21 to 38. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man, a title that he gave himself to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. In verse 27, this is where things changed a little bit. Now my soul is deeply troubled, Jesus said. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come, when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Now listen to verse 32 and 3. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Jesus knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew how it was going to be done. He knew when it was going to be done. And he knew it was going to be painful. Wednesday, interestingly enough, is a silent day, at least in the Bible. It doesn't talk about that day. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't do anything. Believe me, I'm sure he had much to do to get ready for his departure. And then Thursday. This was the final night when he drew his disciples in. The Last Supper. The Passion Week. The Passover Supper. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
During the meal, Jesus prophesied the events that were going to follow, including the identity of who was going to betray him, that Peter was going to deny him three times, which we know he did, and even how he was going to die. But that he wasn't going to stay there. Here's the, the, the funny thing, if you want to call it funny. The disciples are listening to all this. And I can't imagine. You know, you sit down to somebody talking really deep stuff and sometimes your mind kind of wanders. And They missed it. He told them exactly what was going to happen and they missed it. It came back to them later. The Holy Spirit reminded them of what he'd said, but that night they just didn't get it. This had to happen for God's plan to come to fruition. Of course, we know that Pilate gave the people a choice. He said, this man is innocent, in my opinion, but I want to wash my hands of this, so I'm going to give you the choice. Exhibit A, Barabbas, criminal, murderer, scum of the earth, if, if you don't mind me saying so. Wasn't much he didn't do wrong. Over here we have Jesus, king of the Jews, so he says. Not guilty. Nobody can prove anything that he's done anything wrong. But you choose. One of these two are going to go to the gallows. Which one? Would you yell at me, Barabbas? Would you yell it, Barabbas? Would you yell it again? Yell it again. Listen, you may say, I wouldn't have done that. But they did. The week before Palm Sunday, they were hoorahed. You said this to me coming in. He, King of the Jews, yay, he's here, Messiah, yay. That Friday, they were getting ready to kill him. What changed? Their hearts. Their hearts. Like sharks that have tasted blood in the water, it became a wild frenzy. And the Jewish people chose to set the murderer loose, the criminal. Give us Barabbas. While sending the innocent man, Jesus, to the gallows. By the way, Friday, Good Friday as we call it, we're going to have a service here at noon. If you didn't know that, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, three churches are coming together. Calvary Baptist um, Friendship Church, and ours. So hopefully you can join us. And the three pastors will be speaking briefly. It's an hour service total. Just a little segue in there. Saturday. The guards placed his body, not the guards, his followers placed his body in the tomb, but the guards were stationed there. Why? So that 
Jesus' followers couldn't steal the body and say, see, he rose. And not only did they put a guard in front of it, what else did they put there? Big stone. They rolled a big old stone in front of it. We'll talk about this more next Sunday. But what I want you to get is the fact that those soldiers knew that if anybody took that body, what was going to happen to them? They would be killed. So trust me, nobody was going to bribe them. Nobody was going to get that body out of there unless it happened supernaturally. Which, of course, we don't know everything that happened that Saturday. But we do know this. You who are dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your sensuality, your sinful carnal nature, God brought to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note, the bond, with its legal decrees and demands, which was in force and stood against us, hostile to us, this note with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to what? His cross. And what's, what's the result? Verse 15, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in Him and in it, the cross. That's what happened on that Saturday. Which led to, woohoo, everybody say Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday! I'm pumped. I don't like Good Friday. Might have been good for us, but it wasn't good for our Savior. But it had to happen. But I love Sunday. I love Resurrection Sunday. I love the day that we celebrate that Jesus might have been put in that grave on Friday, but on Sunday, he was alive. They looked for his body. They looked for his body, but it wasn't there. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And he asked this of Martha, do you believe? Hallelujah. Go ahead and show that last clip. Hosanna.
Can you stand with me as we begin to close? Can you say with me again, Hosanna? Hosanna. Lord, we're here today because of you. We believe, we trust that you did exactly what the scriptures tell us you did. And you did it out of love for us, out of love for your heavenly Father. You did it so that we would be able to be with you forever. But it requires us to believe, to trust, and to pray, Jesus save me. We must do that. I would ask today, if you're here with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, I don't think I put my trust in him. But today I want to do that. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to ask him to forgive me and Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I did that a long time ago, but I haven't been living for him. And I need to get right with him. And if that's you, or if you're someone that just needs Jesus for the first time, would you just lift a hand up real quick so I can see it? Anybody here? Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? You put them down. Hallelujah. Would you join me in this short prayer? Heavenly Father, Save me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came in the form of a man born of a virgin to bring me life, to bring me forgiveness, to bestow your grace, your mercy upon me. So today I receive it. Forgive me, Jesus, and make me a new person. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live for you all the days that I have left. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. So often we get done with a message and we just, well, that's it. Please, this week, and I've sensed this in the Spirit, the Lord's saying, children, spend time with me this week. Do something intentional. If if you can't make it to prayer, do something in your own home intentional. Make a time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where you can get alone with Him, even if it's 10 minutes. 30 minutes. I mean, really stretch it. 30 minutes. You can do it. And spend time with Him and just say, Lord, I want to know You more. You did so much for me and I don't even... This book just skims the surface of who God is. It's it's His instruction, but it just skims the surface. You really want to get to know Him? Spend time with Him. And as you do, as you read your word this week, meditate on the things we've talked about today. It all leads up to the big day, Resurrection Sunday. Father, we thank you again for everything you're doing in our lives. As your people, we have been called to a higher place to live our lives for you, 
to let our light shine, Lord, the light that you have put in us, Christ in us. I pray, Lord, for each one of us this week that you would give us opportunities to share that light in this dark world. To look for people who need you, Jesus. And I pray we would have a small part in leading them to you. Holy Spirit, then you would capitalize on it, that you would finish the work, that you would lead them to the cross. Lord, give us courageous mouths this week, bold mouths to say what we need to say in this world, in our community, in the workplace, school, etc. And I pray that as we see somebody in need, that we would step up, step in, and believe God's got this. God's got this. And I will do, Lord, whatever you ask of me. Now, Lord, keep us safe in our coming and in our going. May your blessing wrap itself around our families. May we walk in the favor of God. And may your blessings be with us everywhere we go. Expand our tent stakes, Lord. We pray those in the north, the south, the east and the west, Lord, we pray them out of their darkness and into your marvelous light. We pray that you would use this church and others like it to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We commit these families, the very success of this church, the hope, into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. That's it. God bless you.